This week, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Glenn Allen. He is the co-founder of the DC Black Theater Festival and a newly minted author of a series of children's books. Armed with a PhD in social work, Dr. Allen is breaking the code to inspire the love of reading in young Black boys. Listen up. Welcome to Season 4 of Black Family Table Talk. Listen in weekly as we share unique stories that inspire, build, and give voice to the strength of Black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. This week's episode is sponsored by ABTF Travels. Join us for an epic adventure of a lifetime as we host an official delegation of artists and art enthusiasts in Ghana, West Africa. Please refer to our products page at blackfamilytabletalk.com forward slash products for more information. Philly. I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> we are so glad you're here because you, you, you know, I, I owe a lot of my resume to you. You already know that. <laughs> you, thank you. And a well done job you're doing. So if you owe anything to me, thank you because you're doing, you're doing the thing. Well, I praise and I thank God for everything. All blessings come from him. But uh, I, so, so for those who don't know, you are the founder and the, uh, the brainchild behind the D.C. Black Theater Festival, mm-hmm. which is an absolutely incredible opportunity for artists to showcase their works. The more platforms we have, the better off we are. Uh, you are our, our sister, brother festival, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And we know and love that it is not easy to do what we do. Not at all. all. It is so hard. But we're here to talk today. Well, welcome to Black Family Table Talk. We're here to talk to you today about your latest project. Yeah, I love this. I I love this concept that that you guys are doing to to keep reinventing yourselves. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us about your book. What is this? What is this? I saw it and I was like, I wish I had babies so I could buy the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna buy it anyway and give it out. Yes, but that's and that's the purpose. Um, so I guess the, the 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 place to start would be, I was a reluctant reader growing up, and in third grade because I couldn't write a letter, the third grade teacher put me back into the second grade. It took me until high school to correct that. Um, But that kind of reluctancy stayed with me, that kind of fear, that kind of damage and uh, persistence and a reading mother got me through it. And then I saw it in my son, that same reluctant reader. Uh, And so we tried to do all kinds of things with my son. We got him, uh, we have, we have a coach for him, uh, reading teacher, all the, all the things that you do as a, as a concerned parent. Uh, And then it just dawned on me um, and my wife were like, listen, I have these stories that I've been wanting to write to leave a legacy for my son. How about I sit down with him and we talk about his stories and we write our legacy together. So then together we started to write a series of books. Initially, it was called The Adventures of the Brown Eyed Boys. And so... So the more I slept on that, I, I started to want to change it um, just to, to really connect with other children who might share 
the same story as my son, um, Boys of Color. So we changed it to the adventures of Gabe the Mighty. So now it doesn't become one. I mean, it doesn't become many, but it becomes the one. And then the connection becomes personal. And so to this date, we started in January in terms of publishing. We spent two years researching and writing. And then in January, we started the publishing. And so every month we have dropped a book. Uh, this, is, this is May. So we have six books. So we are actually one ahead of ourselves. So we have six books out each book is written specifically for boys of color. That means that they're action-packed kind of stories that move and and, and emotion. Um, And then there are diverse characters in that book. You know, each of the books have diverse characters, but the main character is a boy of color. Outstanding. That's it. Outstanding. So what what is the reception from your son? How's he feel about this project, and is he getting anything out of it? What what are your thoughts on that? Great question. So so what we did is is the first thing we did is that we sat down and we shared the stories. Then I wrote the stories, and then he would read the stories. So what we were doing was helping two 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 places: one, helping him to write, helping him to imagine, and then helping him to read. And so those three things helped to pull him out and connect with, uh, find a passion for reading. So that was the whole aim, to find a passion, uh, because now the books reflect you. Literally, they reflect you um, or reflect him. And so he could start to see that. And so the our first, first major gig, when we first, we first published our first two books, uh, an elementary school called us and asked if they could buy 700 books and wow. then could we read them to their, to their school and so I told my son, all right, you're Gabe the Mighty, you're doing the reading. And so he got a chance to sit and read his book to all of these people. Now, I will say this, and Tony knows this. So my son has been a part of the festival since its inception. And so he has been, if you ever come to the DC Black Theater Festival, you'll see him in everything. He is selling t-shirts, you name it, on stage. And so it was really good to watch him do something different and to read it and then to come alive, you could really see in him this connection that I hadn't seen in theater, right? I hadn't seen him when he's on the stage doing other stuff, but doing this, I saw it. I saw his eyes sparkle and I saw that, okay, I think we got something. So it's been good wow. for him. Wow, wow, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. That is, that is awesome. What is the age appropriateness for the book? And then um, what kind of stories have you heard in others who have gotten the book and, and, and how it has impacted their, their, their children's lives? Awesome question, Tony. Awesome question. Um, so the age group is really different. So I'm going to give you two sets of ages. When you're dealing with books, uh, especially children books, they have a two to six uh, seven to nine, and then they get to young readers. All right. And so you have this space and the spacing then breaks into categories. Your two-year-old to six-year-olds are really going to be children who largely are read to and who then uh, look at pictures and then are starting to read for themselves. And then six-year-olds, six, seven to nine, you really are getting into the independent, maybe low prompt students. Then we get to our kids and the changes. It changes on reluctant reader for our kids. So what what happens with our kids is that scale will then go from two to 12 to 14 to high school. And so our job in this particular project was to do two things. One, to create it for the typical demographic that we see. 
and then to create it for a demographic that is a little older, that's reluctant, but that wouldn't be ashamed to read it. Mm-hmm. So if you gave this book to a, to a high schooler, uh, somebody in uh, ninth grade who was reading on the third grade level, would they then be embarrassed by the by having to read this kind of book? And so what we did is we started a mentoring project to teach camouflage learning so that a, a 16-year-old could read it for edification for himself, but read it be, for the purpose of reading it to someone younger. Mm-hmm. So the camouflage is you'll read it for yourself to learn how to read, to catch it, to connect, but you're reading it for the purposes of sharing it. And so that's the that's the the the, the range. And, and it's really funny, the question you asked is really interesting because if you read, if you look at the demographics for um, for books and books for children, you'll find that scale and you'll find that scale to be an average scale, but it leaves out our children, right? It doesn't take our children into context, especially our reluctant readers, right? It doesn't take that into. And so what we did is we said, okay, well, let's then handle that. Let's write the book with sight word concepts. Sight words are the words that you, if you memorize them, then you can read almost any book. So 220 sight words that you could read Dr. Seuss is a great example of that. That's a sight word book. The entire book is written by sight words. So we wrote with sight words as our concept or as our construct and then added in new words. And then we introduced these new words for a child. So you say, okay, here are part of our 220 of our sight words. And then here is a new word that we're going to introduce. And so that's how we structured it. So it was very, very purpose driven. It wasn't just to write a story, but to write a story with a purpose. Now, Glenn, did you did you do any research on why we have reluctant readers in our demographics? I lived it. So yes, so <laughs> the answer is yes, right? The answer is yes, but I also lived it. So that's what made it really personal, Tony. So it wasn't just having it, you know, as a research and stats and numbers, right? Because mm-hmm. I could give you statistical numbers and data and you know drop it like that. But right. this was personal. This was I experienced this. I experienced being a reluctant reader. And so for you and I, and so all of us, we're, we're about the same age. I might be two months older than y'all. But <laughs> but for you, for, for us, we grew up on the Dick and Jane books. Ooh. So you remember, so the Dick and yes. Jane books. And yeah. so, you know, the Dick and Jane books were from the 30s. Oof. So by the time we got it in the 70s, Mm-mm. it was old. It was super, super old. And they, and they had no black characters in it. And when they finally introduced the black characters um, under Adam Clayton Powell, who told them to add in black characters, they did and then went out of business. Mm. And then the schools were allowed to, uh, to, to buy the black character books. So what they did is they put in a, a few black characters in, the, in their last year. And it was simply just a white character that they painted black. So the characteristics and culture were gone. And so it was this, you know, so it was this black character, but the schools could then pick that, that book. And so none of them, everybody I talked to who's my age never remembered the black character because more than likely their school districts didn't buy it. Wow. And so, and so as a reluctant reader, my history was I didn't see myself and therefore I did not matter. And if I wow. didn't matter, then I didn't, then I didn't push to do it. But if we can get our kids to see themselves. Mm-hmm to see themselves reflected in the work, then maybe we can get them to then find passion for reading. 
Which is really what we do. We try to get people or create opportunities, I mean, through your platforms as well as ours, to see themselves, mm -hmm. <laughs> to see themselves, to change that image of themselves, to affirm themselves, yeah. which is um, a really important ministry in terms of the what we face today and the mm -hmm. images to counter the images that we face today. Can you give me a story of someone or a child whose life has been changed or impacted by this? I, I know it's inevitable. Has it happened yet? Yes. So, so one of the, one of the things that we did is we did a program and, you know, so Tony, so creating a festival helps you to be creative, super creative. And so one of the things that we created was we created a program called Gifted Books. And Gifted Books, the idea was to then have any books, not just mine, but all of the other authors, local authors that I knew, to gift those books to other children. And so we have a whole donation page on our website, GabeTheMighty.com, where you literally could go in and you could buy one book and we will gift that to a child six months of books or a year worth of books. And we'll tr we track that child. The parent fills out an application. That application then puts in their history, their any interests. Uh, it also allows that child to then, so, so for us to know that child and what those needs might be. And then every month we send them a book. And so one of the children that we sent the book, I almost said his name, and I know I can't. But right, so one right. of the little boys that we sent the book to, we got a chance to visit. Now, we usually don't visit any of them, but this one we actually visited. And his mother said that the change in his reading was overnight. So he, he hated reading. And then when we started, we started sending these books to him. So he has at this he has six months worth of books. And then with those books also come um, of supplementary educational pieces like, you know, tracing if they, if they need uh, 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 word verifications or anything like that. Right. So we have other uh, other supplemental educational pieces in it. And she said that what, what she saw overnight in her child was all of a sudden, now he's reading every night. And so what he'll do is not, not require her. Now, he's, a, he's in the first grade, and he doesn't require his mother to read to him. He reads to her. Mm -hmm. And so, so we can't write fast enough to get this little boy another book. So we've seen it. We know it works. I've seen it in my own child, and it was great to see it in someone else's child. Wow. wow. That's outstanding. I am so, blown away. Through your whole process and putting this together, what was your aha moment? You knew you were on to something. So awesome question. So, so I sat down with my son and I wrote the story. We sat down, we, we, we structured the story. And this was, this was the third story in the series called uh, Heroes Don't Eat Vegetables. So my son hates vegetables, right? I mean, absolutely hates vegetables. But my, my wife makes vegetables every night. She is a responsible Black woman. And so, so I, this is the third story. I'm writing the story. And my son says, who, who's 12, he says that you're, you're writing the characters in third person. No one's going to connect with it. They need to be written in first person. A 12-year-old told me this. Ooh. A 12-year-old. And we changed the entire, we hadn't published by that point. We were still writing. And it changed the entire way we wrote our aha moment was writing it in first person because a kid, a child, told me to write it in first person. Wow. That's that's great. That's outstanding. Yeah. Now, you recently got a PhD. 
And so you went from a reluctant reader to PhD. That's a story in and of itself. What what did you study and what, what did you get your doctorate in? So so my you know, my background is social work. And so the whole idea of of creating a festival in art was using art as a means of education and reflection. And so that's what the festival was about. Having been a playwright, that's what that was all about, helping other playwrights get their voices heard. And so when 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 we as a family decided to go back to school, because it was a family event, so we decided to go back to school, um, it was still in social work. So and, and my expertise is or my thesis, intergenerational incarceration, the, the correlation between an incarcerated parent and an incarcerated child. So my field of study was studying how an incarcerated child oftentimes had a parent that was also incarcerated and what was the connection. And what I discovered that the connection was, was oftentimes one of the connections was their level of education. If you look at the research, what you'll find is a parent who drops out in eighth grade and was incarcerated later on in life had a, a child who also dropped out maybe eighth, ninth grade or never connected. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, Part of this particular project now connects to that project. And that project is about the educational level. How do we then find children and get them engaged prior to the interruption? And so I met with the chief of police a couple of weeks ago. And I said to them, as long as I've been doing this work, social work, what I found is working with children of incarcerated parents and working with incarcerated parents, um, I found that I'm too late oftentimes. By the time I get to them, I'm too late. And so I want to try something different. And that's getting to children before they get to him, who's you know the chief of police, before they get to them. And so our new project is working on that, working on catching children and, and directing them before there is an interruption. Wow. I see the connection throughout. You've come full circle. Yes. Reading is fundamental to learning. Yes. If you never learn how to read, because after, what is it, third or fourth grade, you read to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you can't read, you're not going to learn. And that increases your dropping out. Yes. So, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head because you right there. If you can get to the kids at that age, you increases the opportunity of graduating high school yeah. and decrease to get in trouble or end up in prison. Absolutely. I, I, I'm really excited about this. I, Wow, this this is outstanding work. I mean, this this is cutting edge. You talking about helping the village? Yes. This is how this is how you do it. Yeah, and to do it without here's the, here's what I add to to what you're saying, Tony, because you're right on point with that. The, the, to do it without preaching. So yes. so when you start doing the literature for, especially when you're dealing with boys that have incarcerated parents. Then you, what you'll find is you'll find the literature says, my daddy's at the big house. My daddy's at jail. Right. And so while that's important, it, what we wanted to do is to do it without doing that. Right. How do I do it without preaching, number one, to a child? And then how do I write a story that doesn't really mention that part of it? That, that's the reality. The reality is that you may have a parent that that may not be home, but I don't have to necessarily preach that I can go through and show the possibilities of what is, the possibilities of what can be, the possibilities of what it looks like to have. And I make sure in a lot of the books that the possibility that that a black man is standing there with the child, right? Yeah. I, I, I make sure 
Matter of fact, one of the books I think which is which is my favorite is when my when I taught my son how to ride a bike, and I made sure that as a dad that I stayed in the book because a lot of children don't have that or, you know, or, or a man that may be in that position. So to be there in that position to make sure that we, we have representation of our parenting skills as well. So I, I, I made sure I incorporated that so we could see it. It's so deliberate and on purpose, but it mm-hmm. all comes to counter the images. You know, I'm I, no secret. I spent a lot of time in Ghana in 2019 and what the difference that was so paramount to me was the sea of black men that mm-hmm. I saw. And then when I come home, I don't see that at events, at concerts. All mm-hmm. I see is black women. And that tells me that the United States is doing a job on black men. It, 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 it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a sinful and it's so shameful. And all the work that we do in our community is to counter the impact of all of this BS that we have to go through. Yeah. And, you know, I'm on a soapbox now, but it just, it just reminds me of that and, and that your work is all about that. But we get blamed for our state. But then I go to Ghana and they have so much less than we have and they're doing so much more than we're doing. And that's because the systems are rotten to the core. Uh, I, I, that's just a comment. I just needed to yeah. express that because um, it is so evident to me. Um, and I, again, I thank you for your work. I don't have anything else to say. I'm absolutely blown away. Speechless. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you yeah. for saying Thank you for saying that it's deliberate on purpose because it really is. Oh, I mean, it's a oh, study. Yeah. It's oh, it's yeah. not just sitting down and saying a cat in the hat. You know, this is really saying, how do I connect to a black boy in these spaces, mm-hmm. in these spaces, in the, in, in these spaces, the kids who have to walk through um, a sea of weed smoke to get to school. How do I connect to them? How do I reach them without seeming, uh, boring or nerdy or whatever that disconnects. And so it is purpose-driven. And so I'm hoping that we really, really make that mark. Oh, you you making a mark. And and the one thing you said about not preaching, because we always saying what we should do, woulda, coulda, shoulda, mm-hmm. you know, all, mm-hmm. putting all this blame on Black folks, what you're actually doing. You're getting children to read. Yes. Their imagination can now take them wherever they want to go. So when they have to walk through the weed smoke to get to school and do all this other stuff, their imagination take them somewhere else to let them know there are alternatives. They're not limited. That's where the trap is. Right. When you don't learn how to read and you feel trapped and you your your opportunities are limited. Yes. You you open up a whole new world to these young men who are not pushed to learn and read, but pushing athletics and everything. No, nothing wrong with that. Right. But if you see success in that and you don't see success in reading, then that's where the disconnect is. Right. You know, we, we got the system now pushes our children in athletics and don't even touch their academics. It makes no sense for you to go to college on an athletic scholarship and you're not set up to graduate. Right, right. So it's a whole new thing you're doing here. I, you know, anything I can do to help or get involved, I, I would love to. 
this is this is what we Tony and I are all about is helping the black family survive in this world, this system where it's set up to eliminate the black male in the family and disrupt the family. That's the goal. Disrupt the family is it's a it's ball game. Yeah, this is part of it. This is part of, of, of your mission. So, you know, anything you want to do to help, this is it. This is helping to get the word out that this that this book, and there's a host of other books, that, and we're going to start featuring some other authors that speak to our children, you know, that speak to our children. When you look at the publishing world, less than 10% of all the books published are feature Black children, less than 10%. And that's a shame. And when you look at that, and, and we know that the, the girls buy more books than boys. So then our percentage of that 10% for boys is probably less than 3%. And so what you and Tony are doing, which is really helpful, is getting the word out. So then, then we can say to parents, there are books out there for your boys, for your children. And, you know, and, and we'll help. We'll help to get them out there if we need to discount them or we need to put them in the street. Uh, Tony, you're getting ready to go to Africa, the big, a big project you're doing. If you need a box of books, I think we should get on board with that to help you take these books over, um, get some sponsors underneath us to help that. So we are right behind you. So not only uh, what you're doing to help us get the word out, we'll do the same for you guys. We always send artists to <laughs> to Atlanta um, for the Black Festival. We always send them. And so it's really good to keep on that type of partnership. So I, I just thank you. I thank you from the top of my heart. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, we've got 41 people going to Ghana in December. 41 people. 41 people, playwrights, uh, artists, filmmakers, and and just film and, and, and art enthusiasts. And so we're going to visit a village that's a part of our itinerary. And I told them to bring children's books. So what I will do is I will send the link. We, we're, not, we're not asking for a discount. No, we're going to pay, pay full price for your full-time effort. I'm going to send the link to everybody so that every, and I'm going to encourage everybody to purchase three to five books from your repertoire. So that should be what? Uh, over 100 books that are, will get purchased Absolutely. and will end up in Ghana. And everybody will be able to stick it in their own suitcases. So don't worry, worry about shipping a box. I will order them for us and we'll take a suitcase over. Just love what you're doing. And I, I there's nothing else I have to say. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> That's Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you've gotten some tools to put into your strong Black Family toolbox. And be sure to sign up for a free subscription at blackfamilytabletalk.com. You don't want to miss out on special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you from our very own Black-owned business directory. That's blackfamilytabletalk.com. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised in all commentaries alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.